Hey guys, Zach and Nate here from Eternal Dirtles. We've really enjoyed making this podcast for you over the past few months and wanted to let you know that we're on Patreon. Yeah, so we're offering uh, some rewards for uh, for being one of our patrons. And uh, basically what we're doing is putting that money all back into the podcast just to make it a little bit better for you. Some of the things we're doing are you know, taking some, uh, some uh, continuing education classes about broadcasting and also uh, upgrading our equipment and stuff like that. Yeah, so uh, you can search for us by just searching Eternal Dirtles on Patreon or going to patreon.com slash Eternal Dirtles. And uh, every little bit just helps us produce more content for you. Cool. Thanks, guys. Welcome to Eternal Dirtles. I'm your host, Zach Clark, and with me, as always, is Nathan Golia. Hi, Zach. How you doing tonight? Uh, pretty good, man. I had a, had a pretty good uh, Monday night. Yes, uh, why don't you tell us about uh, your Monday your Monday Night Legacy Weekly? So, I uh, my fiancé w- had to work late, and I decided I was going to take a cab over to the Geekery in Astoria, and I'd play in the uh, weekly uh, Legacy event, and just get a little practice in, see what I'm going to do for... Uh, Louisville if I go so I decided to play Rug Delver just the stock list of Rug Delver the four flex slots were uh, Library Winter Orb and two Dismembers and uh, and I went undefeated I went 3-0-1 uh, split with uh, Mike Herbig on uh, Aloran who actually he won in the you know we played it out and he won but uh, you know nice nice night to to go out and like play Rug Delver apparently mm-hmm. Right, and uh, what were the decks you played against? So actually I guess the counted? first thing I should say is the matchup gods favored me because there were three people in this 12 to 15 person tournament playing Death and Taxes, and I dodged every one of them, um, which was sweet. Uh, but, New York uh, does love DNT. <laughs> oh my god, yeah. So I got a turn, uh, turn. Round one was Dredge. Uh, I won in uh, three games. He got me in the first one pretty quickly, and in the second two games, I was able to just. Uh, you know, play the play the tempo game against him, and, and that worked out pretty well. Uh, round two was like a Stoneblade deck. I want to say like Esper, Bant, Stoneblade. You know, some combination of like Deathblade. Yeah. Um, and man, the Winter Orb was like super fantastic there. I'll go into that in a second. And, and then I played against, um, in, in the third round, I ended up playing against uh, Belcher, and we kind of all know how that goes for Belcher and Yeah. Doug. <laughs> Well, that's that's great. Um, yeah, so tell us a little about you know what you saw the Stoneblade deck. Yeah, so the Stoneblade deck um, was uh, you know it's it's your classic Deathblade style deck with Deathrite Shamans and Trinamesis and you know the Stoneforge package and, and whatnot. But um, I I found that that if I don't uh, get them quickly, I generally lose. Uh, so I, I've been throwing in Winter Orb for a couple of different decks and. Um, I was really hoping that it would work out well against this deck, and uh, even with the Gurmog Anglers he was playing, um, I was still able to just really leverage him with the um, with the Winter Orb against him on turn two that I had a Daze backup for, and uh, it pretty much uh, crippled him for the rest of the uh, the second game, and uh, the third game. Uh, sorry, sorry, the first game I just did the classic rug thing where I was like Stifle Wasteland Delver, you know. Yeah. 
Uh, you said he had a Gurmag Angler. Yeah, he was playing a few Gurmag Anglers, actually. Um, th- they didn't really mean much to me because I had the um, dismembers. So, yeah. uh, you know, when it became a problem, I just got rid of them. Um, so it wasn't that big a deal. And and because he's playing, like, Liliana, and uh, I have a Sullivan Library that generally doesn't make it into the into the main, uh, sorry, the, the, into the uh, battlefield. Uh, mm-hmm. Generally, my uh, Goyf is larger than his angler anyhow, so uh, it's not as, as much as a problem. Well, I can't find a, a single deck on Star City in the past few months playing Gurmag Angler and Stoneforge Mystic. Yeah. Um, I feel like I had seen it before, though. Um, I, I've seen it somewhere. I was going to see like if I could find a list that looked like... That's interesting. Um, it seems like a fine card to know, play in that, that deck, because you're not relying on your graveyard at all. It's just a, you know, it's, an, it's another like little piece of uh, uh, resource that you can use to um, you know, leverage your, against your opponent. Yeah, it's just one of those things like you can jam a lot of stuff into those shells. Yeah, I mean, you're you playing know, a four-color with, deck. <laughs> playing a four-color deck, it's all good stuff. Like, mm. you know... Gurmag Angler is a pretty good card. Yeah, um, well, that's cool. I um, I'm uh, tonight is our actually our Legacy Weekly in Utah, but I've got some babysitting issues, so I'm home and we're recording. Though I did actually get out to test some on Saturday with a couple local players. Uh, we um, I, I put together a blue red Delver deck that had Sahili Rai in it. Um, and my idea was like I'm gonna copy like a flip Delver. Or copy a true name and just like it's like a bolt in a way. Yeah. And if I don't need to do, if I'm not doing that, I'm scrying and doing damage, which is pretty good. Um, uh, the players I played against were one was had just built the Turbo Dark Depths deck, and the other player was playing Food Chain. So unfortunately, I never got to live the dream with Sahili of doing something awesome, because basically, like I either had Price of Progress against these players or they won with their combo. <laughs> which was kind of funny like yeah. you know but like against the dark depths deck it does like so much damage i did set a merit lage adrift that he had, was like Oof. forced into making <laughs> put that uh, on top of your never mind <laughs> never mind yeah um and then he not of this world did another set of drift that i was trying to cast so oh. you know what not of this world does yeah sure do it's, <laughs> it's an eldrazi counterspell that's free if you have an eldrazi spell being or an eldrazi permanent being targeted it's if you have a if you have a creature with power seven or greater. Oh, there you go. So, yeah. so for the most part, Eldrazi, unless you have something larger out. Yeah, yeah. So I uh, I played it. I didn't really feel like it was doing I, I, what I wanted it to do, which was um, you know burn like their face, play a Delver, and then like uh, have Price of Progress for the late game or Trudeau Nemesis or Sahili. Or Bedlam Reveler. Like, I, I had a lot of those cards in it. And then, like, you know, four Chain Lightnings, four Lightning Bolts. You know, just um, a lot of cheap spells for the beginning. Um, and, I mean, I've played the Monastery Mentor, or Monastery Swiss Beer version of this deck a couple times. I just always feel like it gets outclassed so fast. Yeah. Like, especially against Food Chain. Like, if I was playing the Monastery Swiss Beer version, like, one Baleful Strix just shuts it down. <laughs> so, um, you know, you don't really... It's not. It's not as. It's not always great against you know what I sort of expect to see. But it was a fun experiment. I got to play a little bit. And then I played some Jund against both decks, and you know just kind of like split the games. Then then they were playing. So and there was a fourth person like sort of at our table who was just kind of hanging out. He's like, "Well, I've got a modern deck if you want to play." And I was like, "Well, I'll play Jund. It's basically a modern deck." 
Um, and he was playing like modern mill. So like I thought seized him on turn one and saw like archive trap, archive trap, uh, glimpse the unthinkable. Whoa. <laughs> and, well, and I looked back at my hand and it was like all fetch lands. I'm like, Oh, you gotta be kidding. So I had to like take an archive trap and then just like not fetch. And you know, he just like glimpse you mind funeral you. It was funny. I mean, I won, Jeez. I won the games we played. We played two games. It was really just for fun, but I was like, Really on the edge of my seat. <laughs> Mind funeral is so good against Rug Delver. Like, the chances of you hitting four lands is probably, you know, that's that's few and far between. It's only an 18 land deck. Yeah, and it was funny, like, because he was like, he's like playing Mind Funeral. I'm like, okay, so if I fetch and take lands out of my deck, Mind Funeral is brutal. But then I, and Archive Trap. Archive like, it's actually a pretty well, interesting, yeah. Yeah. it's a pretty interesting synergy. There's, there's anyway. a card I'd love to be able to cast against uh, Belcher. Archive trap. Mine funeral. Oh, mine funeral. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, either one. Auto I win. Get them off, off cards. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but anyway, so that was just for fun. I don't think uh, I'm gonna be t- trying this rug or uh, blue red deck again. There's a like medium sized tournament on the weekend here this week that I'm gonna try and hit, and I'll probably take Jund or possibly Rug Delver after hearing your story. Yeah. The. Um... I mean, Nimble Mongoose is just still such a amazing card uh, after all these years, you know? Uh, it, it's funny. I've been off of Rug Delver probably for, like, I don't know. When was that Grand Prix in New Jersey last – or Grand Prix? When at the uh, SEG event in New Jersey last year that was, or in Philly? That was a while ago. That was ago. February, yeah. That was, like – I mean, that was before that one. Uh, it wasn't the one that was in uh, – Reading Terminal Market. I don't even think it was. It was in the, a different venue altogether. Um, yeah, anyhow, I'm trying to think if because yeah, I played. Like I open. played uh, Miracles at the last one. Um, yeah. The, so that was like two uh, SEGs ago, um, and I just went back to went went back to Rug Delver just now. So it was a while ago. It might have been almost a year. Um, yeah. And uh, I guess I, I have to I have to give give props to Lee Zhu on this. Like he was just telling me. He's, Play the deck that you're the most comfortable playing, and uh, you know, and play it right. And you know, that's that's a deck that I feel pretty strong strong about. I can play it really well. And uh, he was right. I just you know, I just played it. You know, after picking it up for not having touched it for probably like nine months, and crushed with it. It was great. Yeah, I think that's an interesting. We're going to talk a little bit about like what to expect at Louisville or what we're looking at. You know, as Louisville's shaping up, but it is one of those questions. Like, do you think, do you play the deck that you feel like you know the best, or do you try and like, or you just say like, I don't think this is good right now. Um, like specifically, the last SCG Classic that we played in, which was in uh, August in New Jersey. You know, I had built this bug deck that was basically tuned to beat Miracles and Eldrazi, and I didn't play against Eldrazi the entire time, but there were three in the top sixteen. <laughs> So I wasn't wrong. I just didn't hit him, you know. Yeah. But it also like the reason I I lost games was like I made decisions based on Eldrazi that weren't good against like four color Delver, which was you know something I played against, you know. So, um, it it, it is interesting because I mean it's a big format and sometimes and you you can look at the at the meta game and say like here's what I expect. But, uh, you know, sometimes you'll just get rewarded like you did by dodging the three D&D players. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there was – I didn't see any Eldrazi players last night, so there was that. Um, 
and I didn't see any any like lands players or miracles players. I was expecting miracles, so I kind of had a board that was ready for that. But um, my board was kind of great for what I went up against. I had uh, surgicals and uh, cages for the de- uh, the uh, dredge match, and um, then I had you know some red blasts and uh, the winter orb, the extra winter orb in my sideboard for the um, deathblade matchup. And uh, yeah, and I didn't really need anything for the. Uh, <laughs> I had a fluster store on my sideboard, but was it really necessary for the? The Belcher matchup. I mean, I don't know, but yeah. you know, seeing that the I had a lot of cards that I could have brought in for a Lauren, and I was messing around to see what I really wanted to to play. I got to play all three games against it, so I really got an idea of like where I wanted to be against that deck. Um, I'd like to play against it more, but um, my board isn't really tuned to deal with that deck at all, and I really don't know what's great against it because. Because, unfortunately, Rough only deals with non-flying creatures, so it doesn't really hit most of the guys that I want it to hit um, in that deck. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I brought in Surgicals, but that didn't really mean anything. He, if, if he gets Aloran out, it's really hard for me to get to get into the game. That is the appeal of the Aloran deck, right? And, of course, like, it, for Rug, the way you stop that from happening is you just don't let him have four lands. Mm-hmm. Right, um, for sure. Or like a Death Dart Shaman and three lands, or you have and you have Days and Spell Pierce, which is, you know, when I was playing Allure and messing around a little bit, that was that tended to be, like, what I had to play around and get better at playing around. Yeah. So they have discard, but so does Storm, and like you know, you just got to play it. You know, deal with the discard the same way that you deal with it out of Storm. I guess they have like a bit of a better clock with the Shardless and uh, Baleful Strix package, but. Um, you know, there's uh, there's things that that you can do just because by virtue of being in green and being able to kill enchantments, you know. Yeah, I mean, I brought in the the one thing I could think of to bring in was Pithing Needle and name Cavern Harpy, which was okay but not amazing. I mean, that's that's not nothing. Yeah. I, I uh, that's that's so that stops the combo. Um, yeah, I'm trying like it's like not like you can play Ether Swarm Cannonist or something like that. Yeah, so. Well, anyway, so do you want to talk a little bit about uh, what we what, how we're starting to get ready for the Grand Prix? Yeah, then? so you've you've got some findings from the last five tournaments, right? Right. So I looked at the top eight decks from these five tournaments: Grand Prix Chiba, Star City Open in Baltimore, the Eternal Weekend, uh, Eternal Championships in U.S. and Europe, and Eternal Extravaganza. So I picked the top eight from those decks. Some of those decks, like I think that you could find the top 64 from Chiba and the top 32 from Baltimore um, if you want to like see like a deeper metagame. But yeah. just you know to sort of keep it even, it's 40 decks. And that's, uh, that's, a, that's a good number, especially when you sort of see how it breaks down here. So I'm just going just gonna to go with the top three here. The top three decks are Miracles, which had 12 out of 40 appearances in these top eights. Uh, Death and Taxes had six. And then I grouped Delver decks together, and there was five Delver decks out of 40. Um, there were three Reanimator decks, and then everything else was two or one. Um, and, I mean, that is just runs the gamut of things you would expect to see in Legacy. Show and Tell, Elves, Lands, Eldrazi, Infects, Turbo Depths, Maverick, Storm, Deathblade, Shardless Bug. You know, that's that's the rest of, the, the rest of that. Yeah. But you really have, like, these... Three decks at the top: Miracles, DNT, and Delver. Um, 
the Delver decks, there were three straight, like, I guess you would say three, Grix, uh, three Grixis decks. And I define that as only having one tropical island in the main deck, which is yeah. kind of funny. Um, but two of them didn't have any Abrupt Decays in the 75. One of them had Abrupt Decays. Then you have the four-color decks, which were defined by having two tropical islands in the 75, or in the main deck, I should say, and having Abrupt Decay in the main deck. But other than that, they're they're pretty close. You know, they're doing a lot of the same stuff. There's Young Pyromancer versus Snapcaster Mage. I mean, I don't really think that that's... I don't think there's a there's a huge difference to most decks between these two, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. No, there's not. Um, the, but, I mean, the question is, like, if who does it matter to whether or not you're playing against Grixis or Four Color? And I guess the number one answer would be Miracles, right? Because of the yeah. abrupt decays. Yep. So, um, so when I looked at that, I mean, well, I guess, let's say, like, you know, you look at that, you got 12 Miracles, 60 and T5 Delver, and then 3 Reanimator. What are you thinking... And, you know, what are you sort of thinking in terms of how you want to prepare to go into this to this next big tournament, which is Grand Prix Louisville? Um, I mean, you want something that's going to be good against Miracles. Step one, right? Like you need to you need to be able to uh, stop that deck from beating from beating you in the long game. So uh, that, that's kind of the first step is like knowing how to deal with that and getting in your reps against that deck to, to make sure that you're good. Um, and then and then after that, like. You you kind of have to really work on what you want your sideboard to be doing. You know, uh, I think you 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 gear your you you ready your main deck for what what you're almost guaranteed to see in the tournament, which I think is miracles. And I think in the first four rounds you're gonna play a miracles deck. Um, and then fa- after that you kind of need to tune your sideboard to what you think you're gonna see. Right. Sorry, I just had a baby crying. Oh, no incident problem. it looks like she's going back down um yeah i think that well going to our earlier conversation of like playing what you know versus playing something that you think is good or that you might not know as well it sort of sort of plays itself out here with miracles right is it better to just come up with a plan and practice and see how you can execute that plan even if you don't feel like your favorite overall or um you know do you want to switch decks yeah and I mean, I think you could go both ways. I mean, I have uh, come to grips with the fact that, like, it's a deck I'm going to have to play. And if I want to play Rogue Delver, I, one, I should know how to beat, I should know how to beat a player that's not as skilled as I am. Step one, right? A player with what what I would consider not a wonderful matchup that uh, at least if he makes a mistake or two, I can get over on him, right? And that is what Rogue Delver does anyhow. Um, Mm Mm-hmm. So um, that that part's big, but then if I can throw one or two main deck cards in to uh, leverage that slightly more, like I'm playing one Winter Orb and one Library of uh, uh, sorry uh, Sullivan Library, um, and so I feel like that hel- that helps the match up a lot because I can start drawing three. You're not gonna in- unless you have a mentor out, you can't kill me immediately. So I think that's that's a um, where I'm gonna hedge my bets. And I think that those two cards are actually really indicative of what we're talking about here, right? You have flex slots in Rug, right, where you're going to put something in. And, you know, is Forked Bolt what you want, you know? Yeah. Or is it better to just be like, okay, well, Sylvan Library 1 is not locked out by Counterbalance Top. 
they have to counter it. They, yeah. they hate that card. And the same thing is true with Winter Orb is it says it gets a two, right? Yep. I don't think it's a three. It is a two. So, so you've got a couple twos. Like they're not, they're not, you're not throwing your curve of your deck out of whack or anything to do that, right? Yeah. And also the so, nice thing is, is that, you know, Warb is so good against so many other decks, um, especially like lands, right? Um, it's, it's good against decks that are kind of hungry for mana. Even, you know... Uh, even Eldrazi, it can it can get over, it can slow them down enough that you can get back, you can get into the game. So um, it's, I think Warb is like a really great card to have as a as a two of in the main deck and sideboard total. Um, and and Sylvan Library just is is great because in the matchups where it's not good, you it's it's an easy card to take out, um, and it's not bad almost ever. Right. Um, actually, it's funny that you mentioned Eldrazi because I was watching someone play Canadian against Eldrazi a couple weeks ago at the weekly, and that was exactly what happened. Like, he sort of just had to, like, play the Winter Orb, dismember their guy, which sucks, but, like, they're not untapping and making something. He was able to find, like, his Tarmogoyfs and just, oh. you know, you, you stop him from playing a six drop every turn. I guess you're in pretty good shape, right? Yeah, I mean, hey, if I, especially if I'm playing against Eldrazi and I have to dismember a Reality Smasher, you know what I want in my hand when I'm doing that? Sylvan Library. <laughs> oh, Sylvan Library, yeah. So that I can have a 5-6 Goyf instead of a 4-5 Goyf, because that's going to go a long way to, towards me being able to get, get over that match. Right. Yeah, that that kind of that little stuff does matter with Tarmogoyf. Like, you know, I've been testing John to just like sometimes it's like you got a Liliana out and you're like, Well, I'm gonna discard this other Liliana. Like that's my goal, just to uh just to pump up Goyf yep. in this in this particular matchup. Even though like maybe I would want another Liliana, like it's almost as good as the removal because they can't beat your six seven. Yeah. So something like Eldrazi or something like that, unless they block it. So um, um, I mean, the, the the other things that you have to kind of worry about after that are so, so show and tell's not that big of a deal anymore, um, but reanimator's really coming up, right? So uh, Gilded Drake is is a um, kind of an include in the sideboard for me uh, that I like to have because it's good when someone show and tells, but it's also great as a card I can cast and take away somebody's reanimated target. Do you think that that's better than something like Vapor Snag, or do you think that it's they're just about as equally useful. I would say equally useful because uh, uh, Gilded Drake is is a game winning card against lands, whereas Vapor Snag just didn't, delays the inevitable. Against lands by what? I'll take, take their. I'll take your. Uh, uh, what's it called? Uh, Merit Lage. Merit Lage. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, and I've yeah. done that before, and it is uh, absolutely hilarious if your opponent doesn't know what Gilded Drake is because they want to pick it up and read it, and you're like, you can hold on to that actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's funny. Um, the reanimator conversation is interesting right now because of the black red deck being yeah. one budget friendly, so people are going to be playing that. Um, and two, possibly better than blue red or blue black yeah, right now. I can't hate on that deck at all. And what's amazing about that deck is that red blast means nothing against that deck. You used to have a red blast against a reanimator deck, and they were like careful study, and you're like, no sir, you're just yeah. gonna put that careful study in your graveyard. Um, so th- with Faithless Looting uh, and, uh, what is it, Angel Salvation? Uh, and Chancellor of the Annex? Chancellor of the Annex, yes, sorry. Yeah. Chancellor of the Annex is like a free daze for them. 
which is really hard for you to deal with uh, if if you uh, you know if you have to keep open a land so that you can daze and pay the one mana. That's that's rough. Well, the thing is, you very often are not going to get to counter their first guy, right? Yeah. And for de- for uh, your deck in particular, Mahamodi Dijin with days attached is probably just super brutal, right? Yeah, it's like, pretty terrible. Which is what that is. Like, yeah. this member isn't going to hit it because uh, it's a 5-6. And, uh, you know, you have, you know, Delvers to block it, but you can't, you have to pay four to double bolt it. Yeah, like, it's just so bad. Um, it's so, so bad that, for me, yeah. So that, but like, I'm always I'm big on you never leave home without graveyard hate, yeah. right? And I always try to have at least three or four pieces, and that's something like, you know, rest in peace level where you're just like it's not incidental. You're going after their graveyard. Yeah. And to me, the card Fairy Macabre is really intriguing right now, um, because you can it's turn zero graveyard hate that works through a Chancellor trigger. True. True. Um. It's not, I mean, the question is like, well, what does it replace? And like, if you're playing Surgical Extraction, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, how, how often are you going to need to pull all four copies of something in a, in a matchup? Yeah. Versus I mean, just nuking the thing in the graveyard. I think nuking the thing in the graveyard is much more important. And especially if, if the reanimator deck is, is more of a thing, um, then it's, and it's huge. The only time that Surgical Extraction is amazing is against Dredge uh, in certain instances when you're like, well, I'll just remove all of the rest of your of this threat from your deck or whatnot. Um, or when uh, you're playing a deck that you know only has like one or two win conditions. Um, right. It, it's, it comes down to like, well, when do you use Surgical Extraction when you're not, when it's not really because of the graveyard, yeah. it's because of some other reason and like the number i guess the big example would be miracles where there are some decks where it's just like i'm bringing this in because i'm going to thought seize you and then take your three jaces or your four mentors or all of your terminuses or all of your counterbalances and then i don't have to deal with that the rest of the game right of course i mean there have been a few times when i when i played back when miracles played helm and and rip where I would uh, counter, I would snare their rip, and then immediately I would surgical extraction it just so I didn't have to deal with it. Right, exactly. Um, and that's a it's a legitimate play with surgical extraction. So, but but surgical extraction is also turn zero. It doesn't work through the chancellor, but they don't always have the chancellor. So to me, I my Jun deck currently has two fairy cobs and two surgicals on the sideboard. Okay. So um, but that is like um. I'm pointing at individual threats. I'm not really, I'm going to just say like, first of all, I don't want to play rest in peace anyway, you know, but I'm yeah. not going to worry about playing something like Tormod's crypt or even graph diggers cage right now because they're both too slow. <laughs> uh, like, um, they're both too slow to beat the reanimator deck very often. Right. Yeah. And I don't think that, uh, I'm going to need that, those kind of effects against something like lands, I mean, surgical is just fine against lands. You hit their loams or their punishing fires or whatever, right? Yep. And even fairy macabre tends to be good against them because they can cast loam and, you know, sometimes they're just pulling back like three fetch lands or something, you know? But, and then you can hit the loam. And you can hit something else too, yeah. Yeah, and something else. 
Or you can like hit the lands that they want to bring back with loam, like their tabernacle or something if it's yeah. in the graveyard, and then it's just gone. And then the efficacy of each loam is, is just that much more reduced. So that's my plan right now. I think that you know if you're the kind of deck that can play Rest in Peace, which there are actually not very many of in Legacy, so everyone wants to do something horrible with their graveyard, right? <laughs> um, you know, that's great, but you definitely want something turn zero with this free animator deck because you're going to probably see it. Hmm. Um, uh, so the- also, it's pretty amazing against uh, a dredge deck that goes turn one, all careful study, and they put two dredgers into their yard, and you're like, cool, I'll get rid of them with my Ferramacab, and now you're in a weird spot where, like, you don't, you know, you don't have any other plays. Well, the funny thing about Fairy Macabre is I've, I've seen a couple of people talking about it. It's also actually great in the mirror, in the reanimator mirror, because you can reanimate it. It's just like, this is a creature that just dumps itself in the graveyard and disrupts them, and then you just play it and you have a 2-2, you know? Which is not point, nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what about death and taxes? What do you think... Um, you know, people should be thinking about in terms of why D&T is one, very popular, and two, very successful right now. Well, reason one, they just had two cards newly printed, right? Salem Prelate. Uh, uh, Sanctum Prelate. Yeah, Sanctum Prelate and uh, the Recruiter of the Guard. Yep. Um, yeah, both those cards are obviously work very well together, and they work very well in the deck. So those two, those two cards are a reason why the deck is gaining popularity because it becomes... Newer cards that come out for the deck make it even slightly cheaper for people to get in, uh, or at least less intimidating because they a- accidentally open them and they're like, "Well, I guess I can just like start, pl- you know, saving for D and T and stuff." Yeah, right. Um, I mean, I know that's what it takes me to like uh, want to get into a format is like I open a powerful card from that from that format uh, somehow, and I'm like, "Okay, well, like I've got a couple cards for this deck. Oh, I have all the comments for this deck, and I've got one of the rares. Well, I'm going to start saving up for it." Right. Um, so one, obviously, people can afford it, right? So that that's a thing. Two is that the decks is good. Yeah, I, I I don't know what to say. It's just great, like, and it's it's doing very well against miracles. Yeah. I don't know if that's because of the new cards or because of the miracle way miracle is being built right now, but it's just um, like I don't know. So I mean, Sanctum Prelate, right? If you name one or six, they have to find a way to remove it. Yeah. They can't leave that on the board. Like, a one means that unless you draw a Terminus, you're not getting rid of this guy. And a six means you're not getting rid of all of my guys. So it's, you know, um, it just makes you have to deal with that first. It's like in Standard, there's that card, that spirit that, like, you sack to give all your guys indestructible. It's a real pain in the butt. You have to kill that first before you can wrath the board, you know? Yeah, or you have to bait them into using it and Mm -hmm. then, you know, wrath it again. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think, uh, I, I think there's a, I mean, another good reason for DNT is that Caracas was reprinted and, yeah. um, I guess it was only Caracas. They didn't get port wasteland, I guess has come down a bit. So it's, it's, there's a little bit of relief on it. Rashad and port isn't any more than like a blue duel. So, yeah. You know. I mean, if you're playing, if you're playing DNT, it is probably one of the more budget decks to own in the format because, I think like two dual lands is pretty close to your in, what your entire mana base costs right now. Um, 
you know, I think uh, Caracas is down to like 40, 50 bucks. So yeah. that that's easy. And then, and then what, another three to 500 for uh, a set of uh, ports and, you know, Wastelands, you know, is the only other card. So it's not that bad as far as like needing cards for that deck. And then, you know, if you are already playing uh, modern and you have hate bears, you probably already have the vials and the thalias. You know, it's yeah. it's an easy it's an easy deck to port from one format to the other. Sort of like uh, Merfolk was for me. I played Merfolk first, and I was like, well, I can just uh, build this in modern and then eventually play it in legacy. So I think that's what a lot of people did uh, to get into the the D and T slot in legacy. They were just like, well, I'll take the cards I play in modern and get some extra use out of them. So what does that make you want to do with Rug? Because that's a pretty tough matchup. Well, number one, I have to play Rough and Tumble, right? I'm playing two yeah. two in the board right now, um, so that's the thing. Um, uh, what else do I have in my in my board for that? There's not a lot. I mean, I can bring in Pithing Needle against their Vials, which is okay, but I don't feel great about it. I think I'd rather have them just have a Vial than another dude. You know, like, I know that they can flash in dudes on it and stuff, and it's a pain in the butt, but, like, it's, like, one less card. They can't brainstorm, so, you know, like, it's just such a weird scenario for me because, like, I, you know, half the time I'm like, do I really want to counter that? Hopefully they have another one in their hand, you know? It's just, like, uh, the card doesn't do anything to me exactly, but it definitely makes things complicated later on. And if they have, if they go, like, uh, cavern humans uh, tap it for a vial. I'm certainly not countering the the vial uh, at that point because it's just not. It doesn't make that much of a difference to me. It's not like a real tempo play against me. Um, uh-huh. And I'm and a lot of times I'm not gonna get them. I, my stifles are already worthless, you know. So there's that. And uh, I just have to kind of play play a fair game of magic against them and and you know get them on margins. I, I guess the card that I, I would like to see against that deck uh, would be Sulphur Elemental, right? And Sulphur Elemental yeah. is another great card to bring in against Miracles as well. So uh, it's a card that does does double the work in a lot of cases. So I, I think that would be the card I would choose in my board for that deck. Yeah, for me, I, and I looked at Miracles and D&T 1 and 2, and I'm like, I should probably be playing Dread of Night. Like some deck, whatever deck I can play that can play Dread of Night. Just because it shuts down the mentor kill, which really, <laughs> you, you don't really. If, if, I, I, I was playing Miracle Mentor for a couple of weeks, and like, that is just so stupid. Like, the men- Mentor is just such a stupid card. You get a couple tops, you know? Oh, yeah, you yeah, run yeah. the board down to nothing. You like just ground the board down to nothing with Terminus, and then all of a sudden you have like seven lands, two tops, and a mentor. And you're just like, wow, this is just crazy. Um,. So it just it just takes it right off the table, and Sulphur Elemental does the same thing. The funny thing about Sulphur Elemental uh, with uh, Sanctum Prelate is that it's great that you can cast it through a Sanctum Prelate because it is a creature. Yeah. But it just makes a Sanctum Prelate 3-1. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and then you're like, oh, well, whoops. Yeah. I mean, at least you can block it. You know, like, you yeah, have a Sulphur right. Elemental on board. But the thing is, is killing Mom, right? Yeah. Knowing that, like, now your bolts are live again, you know... That sort of stuff is huge. Where it becomes problematic is when your opponent has out, like, Sarah Avenger. 
Yeah. Like, oh, and that's the card that's, that, that sort of gets eaten by all these new cards. Sarah Avenger is the one that, that gets eaten, which is funny because, you know, that does open the deck up to other cards or weaknesses against other cards like Moat. Um, which is not everyone's playing Moat, but D&T, or I'm sorry, Miracles is probably going to play it. So, you know, you like to have flyers in your deck. One of the yeah. reasons why I always played a Trigon Predator in uh, my you know, bug decks or band decks was it's like, what if they have a moat? <laughs> you know, sometimes people have moat. Um, yeah. Another card that I've been thinking about more uh, f- just based on what's, what's out there is sudden shock. Um, sudden shock sees a decent amount of play in vintage or did for a while because of mentor and mom is the other card that I was like, I really want sudden shock against this card. Yeah. You know, um, it's it's almost like a red abrupt decay, but not really. So it's like I hate to even make that comparison. But like if you if you're playing a deck that wants sudden shock, you probably also don't want them to have cards like Deathrite Shaman or uh, Stoneforge Mystic, and it just you know it stops that from happening. Yeah. The question is whether or not there's a good shell for that. I thought about siding them in for John. I thought about you know playing them in in Grixis or Rug or something. Uh, just for additional outs there, but it's a card that I think if you're if you're the kind of person who likes to meta game, um, I would I would look at it. Just looking at what's out there, unfortunately, it doesn't do much against Eldrazi. No, that's, um, that is a that is a problem. And the thing about Eldrazi is that you, I feel like you might see a lot of it, but it doesn't seem to be converting at a high rate right now, which is curious in a way. I guess I don't know if people just um, adjusted to it. You know, there's more dismembers in all decks and stuff like that. Only uh, trying to beat that deck now, whereas before we were there's a lot of uh, there's a disrespect amount for that deck where you were just like, ah, you know, like I'm gonna see those scrubs with with Eldrazi. Now people realize it's a real deck and they they know that they got to come prepared for it. Right, and that's just you know your your dismember, your higher curve to get around Chalice and. I think all those things sort of combine to say that that it sort of explains why the Delver decks are doing well. Um, because, uh, you know, something like Dismember against Grixis Delver or these four-color Delver decks that are going to have Lightning Bolts or Young Pyromancer and spam a bunch of guys. Um, I mean, that, it's not that Dismember doesn't kill stuff in their deck, but paying for a life against, you know, a Deathrite Delver that's, Young Pyromancer. That's a turn, yeah. man. You've just given me a free turn. You yeah, know, like yeah. if if your kill spell kills my guy and stops the damage, that's fine. But I mean, if it already dealt three damage to you, that's seven damage you've taken off of my uh, Delver secrets. Now I all all I have to do is get you know another couple of bolts out against you and, and a Tarmogoyf, and game's over. Yeah, I really wish they had made roast an instant. I can't. Yeah. I can't like. Fe- I can't ever feel good about playing Dismember in like Rug. Just it just gives me the willies to like have to dismember a Garmag Angler. Like great job by me. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I mean, Excellent I don't job. mind it so much in in Rug because like we're both playing that game, right? Like you're gonna race yeah. somehow. Yeah, right. No, I know. I understand that. I'm just saying, like, it gives me the willies, like philosophically. Yeah, I mean, I like, definitely oh, have taken take too much damage before, and it's it's never fun. Yeah. Um. But, yeah, so I think that, well, 
I don't. I don't think there's gonna be much change in the next three weeks before this uh, tournament. Just given the fact that there's not gonna be a lot of legacy played over the holidays, you know, and we're gonna come back in, in the new year with our shiny new cards, right? Yeah. So, I don't know. We'll we'll keep. We're gonna keep uh, talking a little bit over the next couple of weeks about how what we're testing and how it sort of is developing and what's being good and what's bad. I'm I'm really looking forward to playing in this tournament on saturday which i think will hopefully be longer than four rounds just get the chance to like really see how a deck holds up and what's not and when people are playing for top eight and stuff like that yeah. so just for fun i know that uh geekery has been talking about moving into a weekend legacy thing which i'm pretty excited about because that's something i'll get out for um yeah i know that they're, and also they're doing uh ee points now too which is pretty solid Sadly, not last week when I did well, you know. <laughs> right. Well, maybe you can improve your uh, ELO rating. Yeah. <laughs> i got to check on that. I wonder how many people have given out EE points so far. But cool. Well, anything else you want to touch on this week? Um, no, I think that's it. I think, uh, you know, just legacy this week. No, no, no controversy. No controversy, right. Great. Well, we'll talk again next week, Zach. Good luck. Have a good week. You too, man. Where does he get those wonderful toys?